What's up, nerds? It's the Film Grouch. I'm Rick Swift, and I'm joined today by... Madison Swift. You're joined every day by Madison Swift. Get it straight. Well, yeah. But sometimes on the Film Grouch show, I like to mix it up a little bit. If there's some movies that Madison doesn't like to talk about or maybe hasn't seen, so then I had my friend Emma Darwin uh, do the, uh, the Into the Spider-Verse podcast, which you can also listen to that as well. But 99.9% of the time, I am joined by my lovely wife, Madison Swift. Damn straight. Damn straight. So, Madison, uh, we are going to do a new bit on the Film Grad Show called He Picks, She Picks. So, this week, or this episode, I got to pick the movie, and then next week, or next episode, Madison will pick the next uh, film. So, that's where we're going to do it. So it'll be me, then her, then me, then her, and, and, and forever. So the movie that I chose was a movie that um, I, I was surprised that Madison had never seen. And I found out about it by watching Ted 2. Ted. Was it just Ted? Ted. See, I'm terrible. So that's why, again, that's why I have her. She, she makes sure I don't sound like a complete yutz. So Ted had a very um, impactful cameo by one... Sam Jones. Yes, Sam Jones. And Sam Jones is, like, out of his mind in Ted uh, when he has his cameo. And he basically reveals a little bit about Flash Gordon there. And that was when I found out that uh, Madison had actually never seen Flash Gordon. And I've been bugging her about it for a while to watch it. Ever since Ted came out. Ever since Ted came out, really, yeah. But then you actually came to me last week... And said, well, I was listening to my iPod and all of a sudden the Flash Gordon theme song popped on and I'm like, how the hell did this get on my iPod? And I looked and it was part of the Queen's Greatest Hits album, which I downloaded after I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. And then I realized that Queen did the music for Flash Gordon and I love Queen. So that is what finally prompted me to want to watch Flash Gordon. I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. I like to play with things while before annihilation. Pathetic Earthlings! Who can save you now? Flash!
Yes, and so last night we watched it in all of its cheesy glory. That's funny because cheesy is the first note I wrote down about this movie. Yeah, I mean, okay, I saw it again, and, and I've told you this before, but they don't know. Uh, I saw this at a summer camp um, when I was a kid, and I remember distinctly this was one of the first um, times that I was in a movie theater that I wasn't with my parents, and we were all sitting there, and everybody was pretty much misbehaving. We were all screaming at the movie theater, get start the show start the show and even me and my little nerdiness i was even getting into it and like banging on the yeah i know it's crazy so when the movie first starts up i'm like oh this is this is incredible and you gotta remember this is like this was 1980 so i was probably seven even though it came out when i was six um oh and that's another thing we do on this show the film grouch show uh we have a secret word that we do so there's a word that of the day it's actually the dictionary.com word of the day that I, that we choose and we try to use it in our podcast and then whoever uses it the most gets the most points and then they win that podcast so i lost my and we also talk about what happened on the release date yes um i don't actually pick the actual year because i'm a history major so i like to talk about historical events that took place on the same day so this movie actually came out december 5th um 1980 1980 but something very uh close to home happened here in world war ii on december 5th and it's the story of flight 19 and if you're not familiar with flight 19 it was um it's still an unsolved mystery of the flight of um i want to make sure i get it right here the grumman tbm avenger torpedo bombers which was actually the first um, model that I had as a kid was the Avenger um, torpedo bomber, the dive bomber. Um, you might not know this, but George Bush, uh, you know, senior, he actually was out of Fort Lauderdale in World War II. He was actually out here in Fort Lauderdale in that, I guess in the same squadron. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, that, that flight, Flight 19, it actually disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle and has never been, uh, they're, they're never really found out how that happened and um flight 19 for those uh fans of mine that like the fort lauderdale strikers that is their cheering section that's kind of their their rowdies are called flight 19 so that's in reference to flight 19 so anyway oh. it's interesting though that i saw flight 19 as soon as i saw that i said this is perfect for this movie because that's how the movie starts yes let's uh, talk about the movie let's talk about it let's talk about how the movie starts go ahead you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I talk too much, uh, clearly. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so a little synopsis of Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is this guy. He's a quarterback for the New York Jets, which Boo. is a football team. Boo. And I guess he's famous. I guess he's like Joe Namath. Yeah, he's kind of like the Joe Namath of, yeah. of him. Yeah. yeah, I know who he is <laughs> Yeah, because of my mom. Yes. And um, so he's getting on an airplane, and it's a small private airplane, and he gets on the airplane with this lady. Her name is Dale Arden, and he noticed her the night before at their little hotel that they were staying at. So they get on this airplane, and there's all this turbulence, and all of a sudden, the pilot and the co-pilot disappear. Yes. And they made a point of mentioning that Flash had been taking flying lessons. So Flash takes over, and... They crash land in this weird guy, this weird scientist guy's greenhouse. 
And then the scientist guy, Dr. Zarkov, Zarkov mm-hmm. he says, he demands, he basically kidnaps them and says, we have to get on my rocket ship and go to outer space. So they get in this rocket ship yep. and they go to outer space. <laughs> yep. Let me point out that they don't put on helmets or spacesuits. So they just get on this rocket ship and they go to outer space. Yeah. And then they end up in Emperor Ming's palace. Did I leave anything out? Oh, they fall asleep. Well, yeah, they fall asleep and, and there's like this trippy queen music that yeah. plays and while they're like swirling around in space in yeah. the great unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up in Emperor Ming's palace. Now, Emperor Ming caused all this chaos on Earth with his weather machine. Yes. His, his weather weapon. Yeah, his weather weapon. And that's why there was all the turbulence and the pilots disappeared. We never find out what happened to the pilots. No, in fact, they actually show Ming at one point, like, in the clouds going, ah, and then the pilots are just gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, Maybe so that happened. Maybe he ate them. Uh, maybe he was like a giant, like maybe he was Snoke. I don't know. Maybe. So they go to the palace and there's Ming is this, um, dictator type guy and he has all the different people in his realm, all the different, um, I don't know. Subjects. Yeah. All the subjects. It's these different groups of people and they have to give him offerings. Otherwise he'll kill him basically. Yeah. And this guy, Flash Gordon, he he's not really that bright because he keeps making these comments and he blurts out, this Ming's a psycho. And then there's this robot guy and he repeats it. He broadcasts this guy's inner thoughts that he broadcasts and he blurted out. And then, and then Flash Gordon plays football. <laughs> Yeah. In the palace, <laughs> this basically. Is all, yeah, this is all accurate, yeah. I'm waiting to see if you say something wrong. So far, you're right. In the throne room. And then he gets sentenced to death. Yeah, for being, um, for attacking Ming's guards and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really funny because uh, his, his henchman, Clytus, is this guy who looks kind of like Destro from G.I. Joe. He has like a silver face. And you never see his face, actually. But he's this perfect henchman. I mean, his voice is like silky, evil goodness it's just great he's like oh yes flash gordon you know like he's just just pure evil but there's a scene and and i read about this in in some of the notes there was a lot of confusion in whether or not this movie was supposed to be taken seriously or a comedy and that's yes that's what i wrote down i'm like what even is this movie is it a (laughs) sci-fi is it a comedy is it an action movie is it an adventure movie what even is this movie it's fucking flash gordon man that's what it is i mean (laughs) i I just don't know i don't know and okay this came out again 1980 so star wars had just come out a few years before and well you're you're going to mention a little bit about that when we when we get into that Mm -hmm. but it it was just so I, I i think that the movie if it came out now it would be done so much better they could do a lot more with it and i actually found out that they have a series or they had a series in 2007 i guess in canada mm-hmm. that ran about 20 episodes um that was flash gordon but i never heard about it and um but but i, I think there's a lot of elements of this movie that really were interesting to me and again when i when i saw it as a kid i probably just thought that the the characters were cool and there was a lot of you know goofy action and stuff like that um and i really liked the hawkman and there was a lot of scenes in it that we'll talk about in a second but um it's just one of these movies that resonates with me from my youth 
So I don't know, like, if I tried to have my kid watch it right now, he'd probably be like, Dad, what, what's wrong yeah, with this you? this is weird. Like, I haven't, I haven't even wanted him to watch it yet. Also, there's a lot of strange sexual yes. energy let's talk about violence in this movie. Ming's for... daughter. Yeah, let's okay. talk about Ming's daughter. I kept writing down mean things about her. Like, what's <laughs> up with her? She's kind of slutty. She needs to put more clothes on. And then something happens to her, and then I wrote down, now I feel bad. <laughs> feels bad man because her character kind of took a turn so she wasn't at all what i thought she was at first so yeah and i'm not gonna worry about spoilers because this movie came out a billion years ago yeah so yeah you find out that she's actually working with the resistance to overthrow her father because her father is completely batshit out of his mind evil insane um so she's working with the prince of uh arborea or whatever which some of the names of these places were kind of you know a little on on the nose like it's a planet of trees so they're you know arborea and yeah so and that's timothy dalton and i found out there's actually a few james bond actors in Mm -hmm. this movie Mm -hmm. that later on become in james bond or or word before or whatever but yeah timothy dalton is this like he has the greatest line in the movie though to me when she kisses him and she says, I'll be there, I'll join you on Arborea. And he goes, he kisses her and he goes, lying bitch. <laughs> I wrote that down and I was like, that's a great line right there, man. It's funny how sometimes in movies, you won't remember a lot about the movies, but you'll remember, like, you know, it's kind of like when you give a presentation. People won't remember what you told them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And mm-hmm. that scene, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just, I felt like there's a lot conveyed in those two words that you really get um, an understanding of where these characters stand with each other. And, it, and um, it's really interesting. Everybody in this movie is very, like, in the moment. Like, they are in their world, and then Flash Gordon comes along and is kind of like this weird fly in the ointment that wants to change the way things are running. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Which I really liked. And it wasn't like they immediately were like, mm, okay, let's join the Resistance and let's... Over the-. Like, he has to kind of convince them. I mean, he is kind of an idiot. Oh, yeah. But he's just pure muscle moron, you know? He's just, what do you call him? A himbo. He's, he's the perfect yes, himbo. Yes, he's a himbo. He, yeah. Another time he makes, I wrote down, he's either making inane commentary or making football analogies. Yes. Another time he said, out loud, this place is an insane asylum. <laughs> well, I mean. Why would, that's kind of insulting to the place where you're at. Well, everywhere he went, they were trying to kill him. That is true. He kept ending up a prisoner. Everywhere he went, they were either trying to kill him or fuck him. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which I mean, okay, that's that's uh, Ming's daughter, um, Princess Alora. Aura. Aura. I don't know. Again, I'm terrible at names. Um, but it, she's very just. She wants to just fuck everything, which is kind of like okay that's why i wrote she's also slutty yeah she's very slutty and there's a great scene at the end where she fights with dale that <laughs> i didn't mind that's for sure <laughs> it's a pillow fight in this uh giant like harem type it was like a room. room that was a bed yeah seriously the whole room is a giant bed i i don't know where they they had to like go to saudi arabia or something like that some weird sultan sex sultan guy or something like that i don't know but yeah, so this movie was just kind of cheesy awesome to me. But, okay, when I was a kid, I was highly traumatized by a few of the scenes in the movie. And it's funny because when you reacted, I would tell you, 
yep, that's exactly how I reacted when I saw this as a kid. It was, it's not, it's pretty unnerving. And that's one of the reasons I won't let Raphael watch it. Yeah, there was a couple disturbing death scenes. Well, the, the, the wood beast scene when I was a kid. When they had to stick their yeah, hands in the thing, that, in the holes. That yeah. messed me up so bad. Like, you don't even understand. Um, just, I, I had this thing about scorpions as a kid. Or I, I saw one and it kind of messed me up a little bit. And to see that that stinger thing, and it's giant. I mean, it's not like a little scorpion. It's you know the size of a football, going back to the football. And it's like pulsating, like a like a throbbing member, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a scorpion member. And then you stick your hand in there, and then it stings you. And it basically drives you insane with painful dying. And then you beg to die. Mm -hmm. You tell the guy. And remember, I'm seven when I watch this. At, at summer camp. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. And, uh, yeah, you spend money for that. <laughs> Who thought it was a good idea to take a bunch of seven-year-olds to 80s. see Flash Gordon? It was the 80s. People were, you know, we weren't, we weren't oh, it was rated, breakable little children. It was a PG-rated movie, so. Yeah, I mean, PG. Okay, and, like, the Topol's, uh, the Zarkov scene, Topol plays Zarkov. I had to look that up, because Topol, like, the guy's got one name, like, Madonna. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he was, I, he had to be um, in Fiddler in the Roof, right? That was the guy, if I were a rich man, that had to be him. Yes. Okay, I didn't look it up, but I'm just, it has to be him. So, anyway, Topol, who plays Dr. Zarkov, they do this thing where they, like, they say, we're going to suck out your memories. We're going to suck out everything that, that makes you you. And oh, they yes. go all the way back, and he sees, like, all these memories. Yes. Oh, and then I wrote down that Clytus goes, uh... Now, he showed promise, and he's talking about Hitler when he's watching his memories, because yes. Zarkov actually survived the Holocaust. He, like, that's what, if you watch that scene, he's fleeing the Nazis, right? Yes. So, but it takes him back all the way to the embryo. Like, you see him as an embryo, and you're, and again, you gotta remember, the first time I saw this, I was messed the fuck up, man, because you know i barely understood the concept of life at that point <laughs> so i'm watching him get all of his memories sucked out to the point where he's an embryo and then they like reprogram him to be this uh, infiltrator basically but it backfires because he says i remembered my shakespeare and i quoted the torah in my head and i just did all these things so they couldn't take my memories and I was like, good for him, man. He shielded himself. Yeah, but I thought he was going to be a double, double... I thought he was going to be a traitor. And I thought that the princess was going to betray them, too. When, Me, too. When I was like, oh, she's going to show up at the throne, throne room and be like, see, Dad, I caught him, I caught him. Put me back in your good graces or whatever. Yeah. Also, I kind of don't want to know what a boar worm is. It sounded bad. Yeah. I was like, you know, now as an adult, I'm like, is it like a sex thing? Or was it like it bored into their skin? All that horrible shit in Probably. this world. It was nothing good, that's for sure. Because that was when she was like, yeah, when he put the boar worms on me and my dad was like, yeah, that's cool. That was when she was 100% like, fuck this guy. I'm done with him. So, um, also there's that, that swamp creature thing that like tries to eat flash. I totally forgot about that. One, I totally forgot about it. It's like this giant. Uh, oh, that came beast. up out of the ground? Yeah, it was like a bigger version of the, the stump beast, they call it, I guess. Um, yeah, and it, like, tries to eat him. But the funny thing is the prince, uh, I'll just call him Prince Timothy Dalton. I don't remember his name. Um, he... Prince Baron. Baron, that's right. Prince Baron. He shoots the monster so he can kill Flash. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty, uh, yeah, that's hate right there, man. If I, 
or mercy i don't know <laughs> it, it was it looked like a bad way to die that's for sure um oh and richard o'brien is in this movie too don't you know oh it's astounding it is astounding madness <laughs> takes its toll yep yeah i love that guy's voice him and Clytus should just if i mean uh sadly Clytus died last year he's 90 years old last year and died mm -hmm. Uh, Richard O'Brien is still kicking around, though, so we should have him on the podcast. Make it happen. Uh, I got to make that happen for sure. So what else? Uh, so we have the plot, like Madison told you, and so Flash is just, like, thrust all over the kingdom, and it's kind of interesting because he gets to see all the different kingdoms. And remember, this was a serial, uh, a, a comic from back in the 30s, right? Maybe even before the 30s. So my grand my grandfather probably read Flash Gordon. In fact, I know he did. Um, cause I think you mentioned it to me a few times. Um, but so it, it, it's cool how it starts out too. The movie starts out where they show you the, the comic strip in the beginning, like the actual Flash Gordon comic, just a few snippets of it. So you can get, get an idea and they, they really set that tone of this is going to be something f fantastic as in a fantasy. It's not real. And they didn't even try to really make it too believable. I don't think. Oh, wait, he also was on a race to save Earth because Ming wanted yeah. to destroy Earth. Yeah, in every good screenplay, you have to have that ticking clock element. And so in this, they have... the, the Basically, what, what happened is Ming, Ming basically stumbles onto Earth, and every thousand years, he, he unleashes horrible weather uh, patterns onto each planet that he attacks or whatever. And then he says okay if you can determine that i have caused this and it's not just natural then you are a threat to me because you're too smart and so i have to take you out and so he kind of tells zarkov that hey by the way you're the reason that i'm destroying the earth now because you were the only one that that knew that it was not just some kind of natural disaster happening all over the place so ming Oh, one of the things that I read was that at the very beginning of the movie, you see that all the weapons that he that Ming is using, and he's using an attack called Earthquake, but he's never heard of Earth. So it's kind of, ah. one of those little whatever. It's like who cares? There's so many goofs in movies and stuff. Um, but some of the some of the back or behind the scenes stuff that happened on this movie turns out Sam Jones was actually dubbed. I don't think that's his voice because he got into a giant fight with the the director and the producer and he they asked him to come back and do some adr stuff and he was like no or he left the set and never came back at one point and they had to like just redo for the whole movie yeah there was a point where he's just gone oh my gosh i don't know how this was received at the time uh as far as like ebert and some of these other critics but i can't imagine that they gave it a lot of uh you know nice nellyisms i think they probably just destroyed it i can't imagine they were like two thumbs up or anything like that again 1980 so they were around back then yes they were um but wait you just made me think of something would mm -hmm. it be called an earthquake on mars or would it be called a mars quake i think you just call it a quake oh but again anytime you watch these things that's what i was gonna say you have to suspend so much disbelief because the fact everybody speaks english you just have to do that because yeah. you, unless you make it a big part of your story and it, it's interesting, it takes up so much freaking time and nobody has time for that. Uh, uh, one of the um, the babble fish in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 
it's like this fish that you like eat or something and then everybody can understand yeah you don't like fish <laughs> you, yeah um everybody can understand you and you can understand them and it's just one of these convenient you know devices that just moves the plot along and that's even in a book where you don't really need that kind of stuff because but in a movie you need that kind of crap but again you, you don't you know, you, you just have to just go with it and have fun. But yeah, that was one of the main things that uh, they talked about being a, a, a problem was the, the tone on set. And then there was a lot of Italians um, and they didn't really speak any English. So there was a lot of tr lost in translation moments and a lot of uh, ad-libbing and stuff like that that, were, that was done. So um, some of my notes that I have here... So the things that really bothered me, the scenes that really bothered me as a kid, when Clytus dies and his eyes bug out of his head and his tongue comes out of his head, that was really gross. Um, every time one of those people died that screams, nobody died easy in this movie. Like They all died screaming horribly. Oh, yeah, the Red Guards. They made really weird noises when they moved and when they died. Yeah, they were pretty much the worst of anything any guard I've ever, I mean they made you know the stormtroopers look like actual elite troopers uh yeah they were terrible they couldn't hit shit they had these they couldn't see shit they looked like they had gas masks on and but okay the costumes in this movie though were fucking amazing yes i wrote down the costumes and the sets were very interesting and cool yeah because i think they tried and again i haven't looked at the comic but i believe when you look at the beginning where they show the comic strip it looks like the same type of uh, the, the style and everything like that. So there needs to be a lot of credit given to the to trying to keep it as, as close to the comics as possible. I did hear that, or did read that Clytus was added for the movie. He's not in the comics at all. Um, so, you know, they added that element. But yeah, the costumes, uh, it it weighed 70 pounds. The Ming costume weighed 70 pounds. And, and uh, Max Moncito, who played uh, Ming the Merciless, actually had to stand around uh he could only do like a few you know shots at a time and then he was like get, get me out of this damn thing it's killing me you know mm. the hawkmen they couldn't sit because the wings would their dig wings. into their backs funny so yeah. uh the woman who played dale said that uh when you when they were you know in between shoots they'd just be lying on their stomachs like, like looking like they're about to take off the whole time the lined up <laughs> in rows of you know bird men so that must have been an interesting thing on set there's some really kind of cool and that's the thing i like about doing older movies is because a lot of the good trivia comes out and you know you do a modern movie trying to find behind the scenes uh rabble rousing and and you know problems on the set and all that kind of stuff it takes a lot more digging a lot more research yes oh i, I put this in here and, and then we'll segue into your star wars tie-ins i want to give you that opportunity but i guess everybody on set that had a gun kept going pew pew <laughs> ah, nice <laughs> which reminds me of supposedly um holdo uh from uh lord dern in the last jedi supposedly there's some that made it to the final cut where she's actually going pew pew and they were all mad at her for that so uh, it, it, it's kind of hard to take the kid out of the actors, I think, because when you're a kid, that's what you do. You run around and go pew, 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 you know, so, and when you're on a space movie where everybody's dressed like, you know, ridiculous costumes and you have these crazy guns and stuff, but Brian Blessed, the guy who played, uh, you know, the head of the Hawkman, um, Valton, Valtor mm -hmm. or whatever, he, um, he's the one that admitted that, that everybody was going to run around doing that on set. 
Well, wasn't there a story when they were filming Attack of the Clones that uh, Hayden Christensen was making the yes. lightsaber noises? Yes, I heard that. Actually, and you <laughs> and McGregor, too. And they had to stop them and say, we add those post-production. Yeah, like, stop doing like, it because okay. you can see your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so the dumb That's shirt. Cute. I wrote dumb shirt. The whole reason about the shirt, there's a backstory to it. Well, okay, let's talk about the shirt. So, in the beginning of the movie... Yeah. Flash Gordon is wearing a shirt. It's like a ringer shirt, I guess you would describe it as. Yeah. It's a white shirt with the red ringers. Mm-hmm. And it says Flash. Big red letters across the chest of it. So be like if I wore a shirt that said Rick or you yeah. wore a shirt that said Madison, Madison, it'd be kind of a little conceited. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you special or obsessed much? Do you forget who you are yeah. occasionally? And you need like a, oh, I'm flash. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a backstory behind that. Apparently, the backstory is that one of his fans gave him that. And it was like a hot girl fan. Remember, he's, he's supposed to be the New York Jets quarterback. And so this backstory is that some girl gave him this shirt. And so he was wearing it to be like, oh, look, I'm wearing the shirt that you gave me to be like, cool. So his character. His character. Okay. Yeah. That's what I said. There's a backstory. Like an actual like, in the confused. movie backstory. Okay. Yeah. So I thought when I read that, I'm like, okay, that makes perfect sense. But they never mention it in the movie. So no. you're just like, wow. It's kind of like if you're in a band and you wear your own band. Shirt. You never do that. Like, if you're Metallica, you can't wear a Metallica shirt as much as you no. like, because Metallica's awesome. You'd like to. You gotta, they're never gonna wear a Megadeth shirt. That's obvious, but like, Guns N' Roses, whatever. Well, they could have thrown that in at one point when they were on the plane. Well, they did that whole weird backstory about the, the, um, where he saw her. Oh, I saw you at the, yeah. I saw you at the bar in the hotel, but you, you were alone. And she's like, well, she like apologized for being alone. I yeah. thought that's so funny that that would never happen in a 2019 no. movie. I'm, what do you mean? I have to give you a reason. I'm a, I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong woman. woman and I don't need no man. Yeah, I don't need no man around here. She could have said, oh, nice shirt, Flash. What oh, do you forget I... your name? And he could have said, no, <laughs> this cute fan of mine gave it to me. You're She's right. not insane at all. Yeah, that's no, that's perfect. That that is actually really good dialogue right there. And you just <laughs> moved it. You 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 told us exactly why he's wearing this freaking ridiculous shirt. But I it should is write a cool movies. Shirt. It is a cool shirt. Like I would actually like to wear that shirt, but I'm not Flash Gordon. No. So it so it would be silly. It would be okay if I wore it. Is what I'm saying. So let's talk about the Star Wars tie-ins. So apparently George Lucas just loved the Flash Gordon serials as a kid. And so he wanted to make them more modern. Um, but somebody else, Federico Fellini, was optioning the rights at the time. Yes. So thank you, Federico Fellini, because Lucas went on to write Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope instead. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Otherwise, we wouldn't have our Star Wars. That's true. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. I did notice um, a little bit of Star Wars-ness in Flash Gordon. Well, you know about Lobot, right? I, I, I mentioned Lobot there. So the guy, remember, that was one of the scenes that also bothered me as a kid, where they ripped that thing off that guy's face, and you see yeah. all the circuits in his face and yeah. his eyes. Well, that was Lobot. That was the same actor that played Lobot. Yes. 
He was one of Kaleidos's observers. Yes. And he had an imager device instead of eyeballs. Yeah. And, and that's what you're talking about. Yes, I'm talking about the imaging device. Yes. Yeah. So when they ripped it off his face and you saw the dangling circuits, it's kind of funny because in Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, he had a similar distinguishing feature, a cybernetic device installed over his ears. Yes. That's Lobot. Everybody knows Lobot. Yeah, we all know Lobot. Yeah, and it's funny. I didn't recognize... I mean, I don't know why I would recognize him, but yeah, I guess that was Lobot. So. Yep. So I found out that that whole scene where she's doing that weird cheerleading when they, when he's playing the football, he's doing the football assault. The go, flash, which, go. Go, flash, go. She did that. That was all. Which is <laughs> what led to him being executed. Okay, now let's talk about the execution. So he's wearing these little black underpants. Oh, they're like leather. <laughs> Or vinyl. <laughs> that's not, it. That's all he's wearing. That's all he's wearing, ladies and gentlemen. It was almost almost a thong. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. But, I mean, in the 70s, yeah. Almost was, a bikini bottom. Yeah, in fact, it was almost, it reminded me of the guy in Rocky Horror Picture Yes, Show. that's what I was thinking, too, only it wasn't gold. Yeah, it was black. Yeah, because he was going to be executed. So there's this big elaborate um, escape where they fake his death and then that's how he obviously ends up. yeah obviously and that's how he ends up going on this crazy adventure where he says that he wants to get everybody to team up and oddly enough nobody knew what team up meant which i thought was interesting it's like they they know about all these other like american uh, american all these other earth kind of uh you know jargon and stuff like that but they didn't understand team up the concept of teaming up i guess that maybe that was supposed to be like it's so unheard of that you, with ming Oh, and Ming the Merciless, right. apparently he gets that name from Dale in a scene that's cut. Oh. Where he's doing something and then she says, you're complete, you're absolutely merciless. And then he likes it. He's like, oh, I like that. And so he's like, Ming the Merciless. Yeah, so, I don't know. Well, he is because he obliviates planets. Yeah. And he I made a comment about that. Yeah, well, he does it for fun. Yeah. That's the thing. He's like, yeah. I do it because I can. But, oh, okay. Can I just say, to yeah. quote Norm MacDonald, he's a real jerk. Oh, damn. It's a good thing we have that explicit label. He's a real jerk. The a real jerk. Oh, people get engaged pretty quickly in this movie. There's like two engagements that happen with yeah. a flash. Ha ha. Ha. Yeah. One, the people knew each other a long time. One, the people had just met. Yeah, so... If you know what we're talking about, you've watched the movie, the, you'll you'll see what we're talking about there. Yeah. And then, on another note, but kind of related, they tried to make Dale marry Ming. I don't yeah. think we talked about that, did we? No, we didn't talk about that. But Poor I, I, Dale. I wanted to say that, um, not only that, but Ming gives him this opportunity at the end of the movie that is, I gotta admit, I, it would be hard for me to turn that down. He's like, you go back to Earth as my kind of, uh, you know, harbinger or whatever, and you're going to be the king of Earth, and I'll let you rule it as long as I, you know, as long as it, it whims me or whatever, as long as, as long as I want to. And Flash is like, nah, I'm good. I'd rather stay here on this, this about-to-explode rock <laughs> that you have no follow-through and you let me get away on a rocket cycle. Yeah. <laughs> it is like a... I wrote down a sky ski because it looks like a freaking jet ski. 
It does look like a jet ski. But it was a it rocket cycle. Rocket cycle. So he, he escapes on this rocket cycle. It, it's kind of almost like, uh, you know, that, that like in the scene where in, in um, A New Hope where they stop firing. Oh, save your, you know, save your space lasers. It's just droids or it, 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 there's no there's no life forms. We, we don't want to shoot at this pod that escaped that might actually have the plans to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's kind of like that. It's kind of, and again, you have to do that with these movies because you have to let your hero be heroic and and get to the end and 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 you know defeat the bad guy and all that good stuff. Oh, I, I mentioned the upside down kiss. There's a there's like a Sleeping Beauty upside down kiss that the princess gives to wake Flash up after the execution, and it was upside down in the way that we see it because she's kind of like the the. You know the Spider-Man kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's t- there's tons of Queen riffs throughout this movie, and yes. it's funny though because I'm I know Queen is super talented, and there were moments where I was like, this almost sounds cheesy, and then it dawned on me about halfway in the movie they're doing this deliberately. It yes. has that serial old fifties serial sound like where the yeah we're gonna get those martians guys and that kind of thing and i was like oh they're doing that deliberately that's genius so it actually worked perfectly although there were a few times i kept doing and i apologize you saw me raising my hand and going this is it this is the moment this is the part where queen goes flash king of the impossible and and that's like this and then it wasn't and it wasn't i was like wait and i'm like king of the impossible i'm like Damn and then it, it wasn't. It. <laughs> and then I realized. And then it wasn't. It's actually the whole last ten minutes of the movie. Yes. It's just Queen. Yes. Flash. So as a kid, I just remember that moment where they're playing that music and he's coming in on that rocket cycle, and you're just like, "This is the most amazing moment of my life right now." Watching this crazy guy go after this entire palace on a rocket cycle. Oh, it's great. And his little leotard. He has a little onesie. Oh, and of course, my favorite line in the movie, besides lying bitch, is dive. And then he says it twice. It's awesome. I liked at the end when they said, hail Flash. Yeah, they did that. What about when the Hawkman spelled out, thanks. That was cute. (laughs) That was very cute. All right, so we're going to introduce a new bit uh here then some other podcasts do this and i don't care we're gonna do it too uh it's the fantasy casting so i found out that arnold schwarzenegger was actually originally in line to be flash but his accent was so terrible it was so hard which is kind of ironic when you think about it because they ended up having to dub most of uh sam jones anyway yeah poor arnold but anyway (laughs) i guess he did all right he did all right dino de laurentis put him in other stuff put him in conan Made him a freaking star. That's where I first thought of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was Conan. I loved, you know, De Laurentiis. He he did he did some really great movies from my childhood. So, but yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally like really in the the running for that. So, who would you cast? Let's say today, not not the, in nineteen eighty. Who who cares? Let's talk about today. Who would you cast today in the nineteen eighty version of Flash Gordon? If they were remaking it? No. Like, if you had, the, like, a Wayback Machine and you could just take this actor from today and just plop, plop him into ni- into this exact movie. Like, shot for shot. It's not it's not a remake. It's, like, some kind of 
uh, quantum leap type situation, but he's the actual actor. Chris Pratt. Okay, yeah, Chris Pratt. Because you know they actually wanted Kurt Russell. He didn't like the script. He said, There's, "This is this character has no personality," which he wasn't wrong. <laughs> so yeah, Kurt Russell. Inane commentary. They wanted, yeah, and you know how I love Kurt Russell because I love Brick Danger Vest or what's his name? Danger Vest. Yes. Rex. Rex Danger Vest. Rex Danger Vest. That wasn't Kurt Russell. I know, but to me, it was Kurt Russell in my mind. <laughs> Chris Pratt would be good. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah. But, like, who who's, like, a good comedian right now that would be, like... Ryan Reynolds, but he's already Deadpool and Detective Pikachu. Yeah, seriously. That's just too on. What about Dale? The girl. The girl. <laughs> Brie Larson. <laughs> Triggered. I don't know. Who would you pick? Oh, God. Um, I was going to say Sandra Bullock. It'd have to be somebody a little bit younger, though. Yeah. Um, ooh, what about that girl from uh, the other two? Case, is that her name? Casey? I don't know. I just know she's in the other two right now. I mean, we just started watching it. I think she'd be good. Kristen Wiig would be good, too, probably. Helene York? Oh, she plays Brooke. Yeah. She could be good. Yeah. Oh, or you know the lady in corporate? She's psychotic. She'd be awesome with the face, with the really long, thin face. The the executive who's like a psychopath. She'd be cool too. I don't know. I don't know a lot of the the hip actresses right now. Anne Dudek, who yeah, plays she, Kate. Yeah, she'd be good. Yeah, she'd be good. I mean, I I think anybody. I mean, personally, I would have loved to have been on this movie. I don't care. It sounds like it would have been a blast to be on, even though they had a lot of problems and stuff like that. With uh, I guess Sam Jones got in fights all the time. That was eventually what led him to leave. Yeah, he actually got in so many fights that at one point he was in the hospital because he had a big scar on his face, and the producer or the director, one of them, came in and was like, "All right, his face is fine," and then because <laughs> that was all they really cared about. Yeah. I wonder what the issue was. He just liked to fight, which is what they show, I guess, in Ted, is that he's, like, totally out of his mind. He's, like, doing cocaine and everything. and Yeah. Which is really funny because I was like, whoa, he's out of his mind. <laughs> and I guess, I don't know, maybe he's really like that. Or wow. he was in the 80s. He probably was like that in the 80s because a lot of people were like that in the 80s. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. It's just kind of what you did, you know? Yep. Not to, me, though. You had to kill some hookers and you had to do some blow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> oh, I said a universe building. I think they did a really good job with the universe building because they had yes. all the different, um, you know, planets. And the different people from each area. Yeah, I mean, and everybody had a distinct... Again, maybe it was kind of one-dimensional. All the hawk people had the same mannerisms. They all kept doing that thing with their head. Twitching their head. They were supposed to be part hawk. Well, it reminded me of Joey Fatone as the rabbit on the the Masked Singer, where he's kept moving his twitching his twitching his head. Um, but I noticed that the the head Hawkman he wasn't doing that because I was like, he's the leader. He doesn't have to do that crap. But all the, like the the little hawk henchmen, the hawk the hawk hawkmen, hawk I don't know. They were doing it all the time, and I never noticed that. 
until this last watching of it, I guess. I really like the scene with the uh, the fight on the spikes. The, the That was really cool. On the big thing that kept tilting? Yeah. The platform? Yeah, with the remote control. He's like, give me the remote control. And he was kind of a dick. When you think about it, the Hawkman guy was like a yes. dick. And again, everybody, that's what he meant. Like, everywhere he goes, people are trying to kill him. He's like yes. trying to fight for his life. Which is ironic because that's Sam Jones. <laughs> he was fighting. <laughs> so he was really in character the whole time he was on set, probably. He did escape death many times, his yes. character. Yeah, he really does. Who better than you to rule a kingdom? That's what he said to him when he was offering him. Like, I totally forgot about that, too. Oh, and then who wants to live forever? Now, on Twitter, I posted out, hey, we just watched our movie. I'm going to give a hint. Every retweet, I'll give one hint. So my first image on Twitter was the the now head coach of the New York Jets, who used to be um, Adam Gase, who used to be the Dolphins head coach. And it's the famous one where he looks like he's googly-eyed and he has no, what, no, no idea what the hell's going on. He's at that press conference. And you even saw it, probably, because it's a, a popular gif right now. He's like... Aah. So I posted that because it's the New York Jets. So that was my first clue. And then one person retweeted it. Thanks, one fucking person. So they retweeted it. And so I put down the clue as who wants to live forever because that's a line that the the Hawk leader says as right when they go in to dive and attack and everything like that. Which, if you know Highlander, that's their whole thing. Who wants to live forever? That's Highlander. And that was done by... Queen. Yes. What is Queen? What is Queen? Oh, we can't talk about that today. Sorry. We can't do that today. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dale's poster unveiling. Oh, I thought that was really cool when she had that big post. Like, at the, it, it, she, looked, she looked really good in all the different costumes they had her in. Everybody did. Yeah. But, I mean, like, she had all these different iterations of costume that they put her in. But then the wedding one, I thought that was really cool. She was, like, an all-black Right? Or was yes. she in all yeah, she was all all in black and then the daughter was all in white. So yes. there was that kind of contrast thing going on. But when they like unveiled that poster, I was like, That that's that must have been kinda of cool for the actress just to see like wow, that's a big ass poster of me being unveiled right now. I thought that was kinda of cool. I didn't have a big ass poster at my wedding. No, you didn't. We had um for those that wanna know, our hollow wedding, we had <laughs> images of ourselves in decaying uh states because we went to uh, we went to Magic Kingdom, and we went to Haunted Mansion, and we had our, our pictures taken as ghosts. Yes, we were ghosts. Yeah. Not everybody thought that was cool, but I thought it was cool. We liked it. Yeah. Big 11 by 14 pictures, or 8 by 10 pictures. Well, you know. And these cool frames. Oh, the ring bit. That I put, put I put the ring bit. That was a part where it's like, who has the ring? Oh, I don't have the ring. The other. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm talking about with the comedy. It's like, why would you interject that right now in this moment where it's supposed to be this big, impactful moment? And you, oh, uh, the other ring? Oh, the ring. I forgot the ring. It's so cliche and so cheesy and tacked on. I was just like, oh, man. It kind of didn't do that great mm -mm. for me. No. All right, so... Another bit that we're going to do is how should it have ended? So that's like a fantasy how you would have liked the movie to end. But before we talk about that, I want to say that they didn't know how to end the movie. He was supposed to have this giant sword fight with Ming at the end. But because he left the set, they couldn't do it. Right? Ah. So they didn't know how to end the movie. 
Now I don't know. I could be I could be conflating two things, but they didn't know how to end the movie, so when he did that yeah thing <laughs> where the robot droid was gonna like blast them, but instead he says hail Flash, and then he jumps up and you were yeah. even like what the hell? And that was pretty much how the movie ends right there. That's right. He just jumped up. <laughs> they didn't know how to end it, so that was the end. So he improvised that. But again, I I could be conflating because. Now, if I'm hearing that there was supposed to be this giant sword fight with Ming, and they had to cut it because... Maybe they had to cut it for budget more than because Sam Jones left. But he had already... Yeah, because he'd already killed him. Yeah, with the rocket thing. Not yeah. the not the rocket cycle thing, but the big rocket Ajax. Ship. It was the warship Ajax. I took yeah. that down because I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't catch that when I was a kid, obviously. So how would you have ended the movie? Well, it kind of ended in a cliffhanger because they never made it back to Earth. Yeah, and we know that they saved Earth. I barely, I didn't know that because you, there was a throwaway line where the guy's like, "Oh yeah, we we saved Earth like five minutes ago or something like that." Yeah. <laughs> when the, the the time is ticking down and you're like, "Oh, Earth is fucked." It goes three, two, one, zero, and you're like, "That's it." And then this guy, this Hawkman, is like, "Oh no, yeah, we we disabled that thing." Yeah. Like. like an hour ago. Or yeah. <laughs> so they saved Earth like, from total annihilation. Total annihilation. But they didn't make it back to Earth. So what are the New York Jets going to do without their quarterback? Oh, God. The New York Jets suck, suck, suck. Uh, I don't know. What I... about Dale's family? What about... Dr. Zarkov. What about his assistant? What about his assistant that Mongol. ran away? Yeah, Mongol. I love, I love that part, too, by the way, where he's, like, trying to convince him to get in the rocket ship. And pack a like, toothbrush. Yeah, pack whatever. a toothbrush. He pulls a gun on him. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, okay, so we never do find out, but that's why at the end, they put... Oh, wait, but how, how would you end it? I would have had them somehow get a message to Earth to let their Earth people know that they were okay and safe. Mm-hmm. And they were going to continue living on this other planet if they chose to stay on the other planet. Mm-hmm. Because if I was going to live on another planet, I would want my Earth people to know that I was okay and that I wasn't, like, dead or anything. Yeah. Or I would, like, go back to Earth. I, I tell you what, the way I would end it would be he would have taken the deal with Ming. He would have gone back to Earth as a conqueror. He'd have been the king of Earth. And anybody who got in his way, he'd, like, deal with them. But then he would go back for Dale. He would rise up in a rebellion with Earth's, you know, armies, and he would like fuck up Ming, and he would re- he would unite all of the uh, the kingdoms of Mongo under him, and then he would be Emperor Flash Gordon. Scene and but yeah, apparently what happened was the whole the end, and then they show the ring, and then it it disappears, and then they show the question mark, the end yes. question mark, <laughs> and you hear his laugh. Yes. Um, there was supposed to be a sequel, but obviously that didn't happen because it yeah. didn't do so well in the no. box office. There was only little seven year olds like me that were like, "This is amazing! This is great! Oh my god, look at that thing! Ah, it's terrifying! Ah!" So yeah, it didn't do so great. So I don't know what like Oof. Ebert and them gave it. Yeah, the Budget was twenty million dollars estimated in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Money. Yeah. And the opening weekend in the U.S. it only made three point nine million dollars. Wow, that's like, that's like shit in the bed. That's like diarrheaing in the bed. That's bad. Yeah. Damn. So. Well, yeah. again, so 
George Lucas lucked out by not making this movie. Yes, thank you. Although, that would be interesting if George Lucas, like, in an alternate universe, what if, what if he had gotten the rights to it and never made Star Wars? Oh. My. God. I can't even imagine a world without Star Wars. I'm going to go in the corner and cry now. Yeah, seriously, that is a devastating world. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. No. It's like that whole when they had a day without a Mexican and they were like, uh, what would what would happen if you got rid of all the Mexicans and a day without a woman whenever they do that kind of thing. I cannot honestly to God, I cannot imagine my life without Star Wars no. existing No. on some plane of existence because it's just. Yeah. So Flash Gordon, he never makes Star Wars. Instead, he makes Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon flops horribly. We never hear from George Lucas ever again. He moves to Idaho and he makes boats. I seriously feel like I'm going to vomit. <laughs> you need to stop this right now. I'm, it, it didn't happen. Everything's fine. Flash Gordon got made Ooh! and Star Wars got made and they went in their own different ways. And now we're about a few months away from episode nine, the culmination of the end of Star Wars. And a whole new land in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Oh my God. We're so going to just quit our jobs and go just work there. No, we're not. Uh, You know, the funny thing, though, is I wonder how many people they have turned away for job applications at Galaxy's Edge. I mean, my God. There are people that are like, you don't even have to fucking pay me. Just give me food. I just want to work here. Just give me food and water. I'll live in the underground of Disney and just make me part of this galaxy's edge just make me part of it and they would do <laughs> maybe i'm one of those people i'm not saying i am but maybe i am when we retire we can work there yeah we've talked about that so this is what they say. i, I want to read this because i might have messed it up according to the book dino the life and film of Dino De Laurentiis, Sam Jones kept getting into Sam J. Jones kept getting into fights during the filming of the movie. At one point, Jones was in the hospital with a big scrape on his face, and De Laurentiis himself barged into the operating room to make sure they fixed his face so as not to leave a visible scar. But Jones kept troubling, kept causing trouble, and then at Christmas he left for Los Angeles and never returned. Mm. So De Laurentiis recalls that he told Mike Hodges, "We'll keep going with the very best stand-in you can find." <laughs> Wow. <laughs> My God. Yeah. So I also saw one of the filmmakers said something like, this is the this is the only $23 million movie that's basically all improvised that I've ever been a part of. Like the whole movie was just kind of... Because they were translate. They had translators on the set for with the Italians. And then the Italian person, like I think like maybe like one of the script, script supervisors were like Italian. And they were like, go in there, say this line. And they had a translator. And the translator would say... Uh, just like pick up that book would be like there's a cat on the chair you know like it it had nothing to do with anything it was just complete garbage what they were being told and so you know the actors are like that doesn't make any sense so they would just kind of say whatever they wanted to say yeah and I guess uh, Richard O'Brien was friends with the director Mm -hmm. and so he kept like sitting in different people's chairs like you know how the the actors always have their 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 names and everything yes so he would do this and there's a famous on his imdb pages and i'm gonna try and do it but like he, him sitting there with his just kind of like owning the chair 
Yes. And <laughs> he did that so much that the other people on set were getting pissed because they were he was kind of taking advantage of the fact that he was fraternizing with the the boss, you know. So it's kind of funny. But I think we covered just about everything. And uh, if I don't have anything else from you, I don't have anything else. I think I'm going to go ahead and reveal the amazing word of the day. You uh, win. Dictionary.com's word of the day is nice Nellyism, which is kind of a euphemism for just powder puff press reports and just kind of prudish, you know, fluffy lightness where you're not really saying anything important. So I also wanted to say we just found out some really bad news and I wanted to offer our condolences to Alex Trebek. Oh, God, yes. Because we just found out that he has been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And one of my best friends in Norway passed away from that at 27 years old. So, um, And he was a fighter. So I really hope that Alex Trebek can fight this and beat this. Uh, we're big Jeopardy fans. We just watched the whole tournament of champions uh, where they had the teams and everything like that. Their 35-year uh, big event that they had. So it was a lot of fun. It was really cool, different. Yeah, and so I just I really do hope that uh, Alex Trebek pulls through this. Yep. So, anyway, thank you very much for checking us out. I am Rick Swift, and that is. I am Madison Swift, and make sure you tune in next time for my she pick. Yes. Um. We won't tell you what it is, but do you want to give him a clue? Give him a clue. That's kind of a clue. <laughs> I'm getting such a clue. It's definitely bigger. Yes. And longer. Yes. That those are good clues. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I'm getting such a clue. <laughs> Bye. Bye.